At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. Trump is screwed. Trump is really, really screwed. Trump is really, really, really screwed. The Department of Justice answer to Trump's moronic special master lawsuit emerged early this morning, and in it, Trump destroys his own contention that he had declassified everything. And there is, as they said so cynically in the movie The American President, quote, there is art. From the gaudiness of the carpeting in the picture, it looks like we are at Mar-a-Lago, where the five bright yellow folders with the big red letters, top secret slash SCI, sensitive compartmented information, are strewn on the floor, along with the less glimmering red and white secret SCI folder and the several documents with the big red secret stamp on them. And they are why you do not file a legal demand for 
anything three weeks after they have all been found and reclaimed by the government after you, Donald John Trump, have stolen them and will be going to prison because you stole them. Because when you file a legal demand and fill it up with your bullcrap excuses and petty complaints, the Department of Justice gets to answer you soon or late. In this case, very late Tuesday night. And whether or not you want it, every newspaper in the world will soon have a photo of top secret, sensitive, compartmented information sitting on the floor. And if it isn't your floor, so what? People will think it is your floor and you have just lost. We don't even know what's in the folders. We don't need to know. You are screwed. Trump's last line of defense was this lame-brained insistence that there are no declassified documents at Mar-a-Lago, and there never were, because he had declassified all of them, secretly, openly, somehow. But in June, it says in the government answer released early this morning, when the supposed entire stash of documents were originally turned over to the government, Trump had said otherwise about declassifying, quoting the document. When producing the 15 boxes, the former president never asserted executive privilege over any of the documents, nor claimed that any of the documents in the boxes containing classification markings had been declassified, unquote. Later in the document, quoting again, when producing the documents, neither counsel nor the custodian asserted that the former president had declassified the documents or asserted any claim of executive privilege. Instead, counsel handled them in a manner that suggested counsel believed that the documents were classified. The DOJ answer revealed early this morning is filled with other metaphorical daggers through Trump's metaphorical heart. He and his team personally concealed classified documents in June when government investigators went to Mar-a-Lago to reclaim them. There were more than 100 documents in 13 boxes in Trump's residence, investigators found, and, quote, three classified documents that were not located in boxes, but were rather located in desks in the, quote, 45 office. He was keeping our top secret documents in the desk at a country club in Florida. Oops. You mean oops. Don't you just say oops and get out. We also learned from the DOJ answer that when the June boxes were turned over, the former president's counsel explicitly prohibited government personnel from looking inside any of the boxes that remained in the storage room, unquote. And Trump's people said, oh, don't worry, there are no documents in there. And of course, during the FBI search on August 8th, it turned out there were documents in there. It's obstruction of justice. He might as well have confessed to it. And speaking of confessions, oh, one of Trump's attorneys, the TV one, it was previously reported as that, Christina Bob, she signed a sworn document saying that everything classified had been turned over and it hasn't. She better cut a plea deal as fast as she can. None of this is new, but all of it is crushing. And more importantly, all of it is easily digested. 
and it provides Trump apologists with not very much to work with. And there is art. And it gives us a fresh answer to what had already been Tuesday's question of the day, voiced by President Biden in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. Where the hell are we? Well, I can tell you where the hell Trump is. He's up a Eugene Levy sitcom. And the walls are now closing in from all directions because whoever had told Joe Biden not to ever use the presidency to call out fascism and political violence and the Republican Party, whoever told him that, that person has clearly been fired. But the idea you turn on a television and see senior senators and congressmen saying, if such and such happens, there'll be blood in the street. Where the hell are we? Where the hell are we? How's Lindsey Graham going to answer that? I didn't say blood in the streets. I said riots in the streets. Actually, I'm giving Lindsey Graham way too much credit. He did answer President Biden, and he was not nearly that clever. In fact, he just straight up lied. Yeah, so what I said Sunday was uh, America's reject, I reject violence, but I also reject a double standard here. So if they try to prosecute President Trump for mishandling classified information after the Clinton debacle, when she was Secretary of State, people in this country will lose faith in law enforcement. So last night on Fox, Lindsey Graham said that Sunday night on Fox, he had said, one, Americans reject violence. Two, I reject violence. And three, if Trump is prosecuted, Americans will lose faith in law enforcement. Well, that settles it. We'll just have to take Lindsey Graham's word for it that that's what he said Sunday night rather than there'll be riots in the streets. It's just too bad there wasn't some log or transcription or mechanical reproduction of what he actually said on Fox Sunday night. So somehow, through some sort of magic, we could hear him again reject violence on Sunday night. If there's a prosecution of Donald Trump for mishandling classified information after the Clinton debacle, which you presided over and did a hell of a good job, there'll be riots in the streets. Yeah, Lindsey Graham never said any of the things he now claims he said, and it's on tape. And you know as well as I do, it doesn't matter. The Fox News idiots will believe the second version and pretend they never heard the first. What a pathetic, lying little Trump whore Lindsey Graham has become. It is genuinely impossible to recreate that time when Lindsey Graham was considered one of the reasonable Republicans, or for that matter, to recreate the time when there were reasonable Republicans. All I know is when he sold his soul, I hope Lindsey Graham got a great price for it because he's going to be in hell for a long time. But back to Joe Biden in Wilkes-Barre and also the anticipation of his defense of freedom speech tomorrow night in Philadelphia. One word. Finally. The speech in Wilkes-Barre, the semi-fascism speech from last week and whatever he says in Philly, will have done more to normalize calling Republicans what they have become than anything else in the last seven years. What they have become? Authoritarians, fascists, cultists, bigots, homophobes, misogynists, anti-Semites, often literally Nazis. Each time President Biden says just one of these words, even semi-fascist, every reporter covering him or covering this country or every writer writing about this country has to say it too. 
Every time Biden says one of these words, every Democratic candidate can push through the hole in the wall that Biden opened last week. And the thing begins to expand exponentially. Soon every Democratic voter and every horrified Republican can say what their instinct to find the middle road and the lowest common denominator have told them to never say, namely, that the Republicans are evil, that they intend to overthrow democracy, that they advocate strongman rule, that they have sold their souls for power. Then Senator John Kerry talked to me once about a series of commentaries I did on Countdown in 2005 and 2006, pointing out how many times George W. Bush and the Republicans had faced a political downturn or crisis or just a news cycle that was favorite to the Democrats. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, somebody changed the color on the Homeland Security terrorism advisory chart from yellow to orange or orange to red, or suddenly out of nowhere a dirty bomber suspect was arrested somewhere, or suddenly architectural plans of U.S. office buildings turned up in an Al-Qaeda safe house in Baghdad. And all I said was, how many of these juxtapositions of timing have to turn out to not be coincidences before we have a serious problem in this country? John Kerry told me all the Democrats knew what the Republicans were doing. He said, we were all afraid to say it. What if it somehow was actually a coincidence? You, you weren't afraid. You were either too dumb or too smart to not say it. And then you stuck your head through that wall and we just followed you through it. But once you said it, then we could all say it. And when we all said it, then the voters all said it. And they all said, hey, you're right. And then we won the midterms. So when Joe Biden says semi-fascism or any of those other words, the rest of them, the rest of us can all say it. And don't forget, though the healer is the president Joe Biden wanted to be, it was not the president that this era was to let him become. But do not forget that Biden took plenty of effective yet dignified swings at Trump during the 2020 campaign. And in the debates, especially Joe Biden took plenty of effective yet dignified kicks to Trump's groin. And when he beat Trump, and it cannot be the only thing we judge Joe Biden by, but we should remember more than we do that he beat Trump. Joe Biden put the swings and the kicks away and tried to heal this nation. Unfortunately, we still had too much fighting here to do yet, and we still have too much fighting here to do yet because it is us or them. They have said so. We must defeat them. But if the president of the United States will keep saying what he has said in the last week, there will be momentum. To paraphrase the most searing line in the movie, The Manchurian Candidate, the one that actually resonates the most with people who have covered or been in politics paraphrasing it just slightly what are they writing about all over this country and what are they saying are they saying are there any fascists in the republican party of course not they're saying how many fascists are there in the republican party unfortunately for all of us the answer seems to be approaching infinity trump has now morphed again he's now the drunk who keeps texting his ex do not misread his spasm yesterday, posting the worst 60 or 70 or how many ever he posted of the worst and most degrading of the QAnon phantasms. This is not Trump going fully insane. This is Trump repeating his greatest hit. He is doing this now because last time he did it, it worked. 
This is the same playbook he used before January 6th. He's only changed it slightly. He's only directed it to a slightly different audience. And his degree of personal desperation is only slightly higher, though the amount of this country he is willing to destroy to get his own way is certainly exponentially greater. And like January 6th, this too is stochastic terrorism. The premise of QAnon is that Trump still somehow controls the military and it will rise up and hang everybody that each Q follower wants hanged. He is calling out to these most deranged of his followers, not the practical bullies and thugs and gun nuts who were so effective on January 6th, but the million freaks who dream of hanging Hillary Clinton and who dream of dropping nuclear weapons on Democratic cities only without hurting a single Republican and who believe JFK Jr. is coming back from the dead only as an idiotic fascist. And yes, they are dangerous in their way, but not really, except for that one in a million who actually has a bomb stored in his basement or knows where Michael Flynn has stashed all the juice. Yesterday, Trump dropped the pretense and quoted the QAnon catchphrases himself, and he reposted some of the actual made-up Q messages. He turned back against vaccinations, which he had supported so wildly that he posted an obviously fake message about a book that could cure COVID, a message that was falsely attributed to his own daughter. Throw his daughter overboard? If it means gaining power again, to hell with her. And he posted a picture from the State of the Union with the words, Your enemy in what ironically looks like a redaction bar over the face of Vice President Harris. Also the words, is not, over the face of President Biden, and the words, in Russia, over the face of Speaker Pelosi. And then last night, a bomb threat was called into Boston's Children's Hospital because they have a pediatric and adolescent transgender health program, and the police then had to set up a security perimeter in the adjacent neighborhood, and that happened hours after Trump dived off the end of the pier into the deep, polluted waters of the full QAnon conspiracy. But, of course, that's just a juxtaposition of timing, no doubt. Trump knew what was in the boxes at Mar-a-Lago, and he knew on which of his gaudiest carpets he had thrown them like so many baseball cards, and he know who he had shown them to or gave them to or sold them to, the son of a bitch. And in his addled mind, he may even have been aware that the special master suit would backfire so spectacularly and give the Defense Department its chance to prove he obstructed justice and denied the documents were classified now and not have to wait for, you know, a trial. So in going where we go one, we go all, what a moronic phrase that is, do not believe for a moment that Trump is scared or losing any remaining sliver of sanity. He is going for broke. Last time he merely wanted the vice president hanged and senators and representatives assassinated. Now it's everybody. He is calling out the lunatics who were too lunatic for January 6th, as crazy and as disconnected from the permanence of death as any suicide bomber, in hopes not of election or even this impossible restoration or getting all of his stuff back at Mar-a-Lago. Trump no longer has time to maintain that minimalist sugar coating. He wants to take this country over. And if there has to be death and destruction and civil war and Lindsey Graham's riots in the streets, he will applaud and say, I have earned this. This country is mine. 
you are mine and our best defense and it may be the best imaginable defense come to think of it is a 79 year old man who wanted only healing but whose patience has thank goodness run out and he has had enough of the malarkey and to use an even older cliche than malarkey he has finally pushed the little snowball down from the top of the mountain watch it roll but the idea you turn on a television and see senior senators and congressmen saying if such and such happens there'll be blood in the street where the hell are we Still ahead on Countdown, do you know who was the first on-air person ever hired by CNN? 1980. He was on the Nixon enemies list. This was his birthday, and I will tell you of the day I had to interrupt his very serious news analysis show with some breaking college football stuff. Speaking of college football, what about Herschel Walker's bike? Is Herschel Walker's bike okay? Won't somebody think about Herschel Walker's bike? And you may see Aaron Rodgers, Novak Djokovic, Kyrie Irving, and others as whiny little boys who are secretly afraid of the little vaccination needle. But you're wrong. We'll meet the prominent sports commentator who has now compared them all for strength, for independence, for defiance against the government to Muhammad Ali. No, I'm not kidding. That's next. This is Countdown. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. 
if you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is Countdown with Keith Olbermann. Coming up, a sports blogger compares the anti-vax, I'm afraid of needles whining of Novak Djokovic and Aaron Rodgers to Muhammad Ali refusing induction into the military when the U.S. government wanted to get him killed on the fields of Vietnam. Yeah, it's exactly the same thing. First, in each edition of Countdown, we feature a dog in need whom you can help. Every dog has its day. And we go back to the Riverside, California kill shelter. There are so many extraordinary, beautiful dogs. They're big, friendly shepherds and huskies with different colored eyes. Have a look at their site and have a particular look at Hadley. She's dog friendly. She's five years old, white and tan with a brownish black back. And they will kill her soon unless we can get her out. We need a foster or adopter in the area. We can probably arrange for a local rescue service to handle the mechanics. To find out more about Hadley and the other dogs on death row at Riverside, check my Twitter feed for dogs in need, at Tom Jumbo Grumbo. Look for the tweet about Hadley, and if you can't donate, just retweeting it can make a huge difference for her. And thank you. Coming up on Countdown, Herschel Walker says his bike is not bent. Repeating, Herschel Walker says his bike is not bent. This was in answer to a question about his mental health. Oh, boy. Where's persons coming up? First, postscripts to the news, some headlines, some thoughts, some snark. Dateline Moscow, Mikhail Gorbachev is dead. That it is impossible to recreate the hope he provided to a world 40 years ago that seemed to be marching towards imminent nuclear war is reflected by the fact that about half of the coverage of his death at the age of 91 references his role as the last leader of the Soviet Union and the other half references the pizza commercial he did in 1998. The missing part of his story right now, what he accomplished peacefully, the end of the Soviet Union, though that was not the plan, the reuniting of Germany, the end of fascism and the promotion of democracy in Europe is all being undone as we speak by Vladimir Putin with help from people like Orban and others. Dateline Greenland, experts on glaciers and specifically the Greenland ice sheet say that it will lose hundreds of trillions of metric tons of ice in the next 78 years. And thus, by the year 2100, ocean levels will rise about 10 and a half inches. That is, if we were to stop emitting greenhouse gases, say, Friday, about 5 p.m. Eastern. You can do this math yourself in your own home. Ocean and sea levels Ten and a half inches higher, at least, will mean downtown Manhattan will be under a foot or more of water as far north as Wall Street and LaGuardia Airport and the Statue of Liberty and the Hamptons. Bye-bye. Dateline Castleberry, Florida. The Seminole County Republican headquarters was sprayed with naughty words. That's according to GOP chair Ronna Romney McDaniel, who tweeted a photo of the phrase, eat 
blank fascists on the windows and said that means it was Joe Biden's fault. As many skeptics have noted, whoever painted the message on the window of GOP headquarters in Castleberry, Florida, was careful not to spray any paint over the Republican logo itself, just around it. So I have my doubts. On the other hand, eat blank, fascists. This is Sports Center. Wait, check that. Not anymore. This is Countdown with Keith Olbermann. In sports, I'll confess I do not keep up to date on the Swedish Ice Hockey Association, but it is that nation's governing pucks body, and I'm standing and applauding it, figuratively. It has announced that any Swedish nationals who play in the Russian Hockey League, the KHL, will not be eligible for selection to Sweden's national team. Not only should we be doing that here in North America, but frankly, given the war conducted by Russia against our ally Ukraine and the threats Russia has made against NATO and the attacks on our democracy Russia has run and will run again, ask yourself why the National Hockey League permits Russian nationals to play in the U.S. and Canada, especially Alexander Ovechkin of Washington, especially when he is a Putin propagandist whose Instagram avatar photo to this moment shows him smiling and standing next to Putin. Why are we giving these unapologetic Russians our sports money? Ban them. Ban them all. Start with Ovechkin. A happy interval Monday night at the Milwaukee Brewers game in the eighth inning. Pirates 5, Brewers 3, and some personal message goes up on the stadium scoreboard, including this one, quote, Mark, your friendship means the world to me. Let's not wreck it. Some poor guy got, as they say, friend-zoned on the scoreboard at the ball game. Moments later, Brewers rookie Garrett Mitchell hit his first Major League homer to tie the game against Pittsburgh at 5. An inning later, Preston Hura of Milwaukee hit a walk-off homer to win the game 7-5. Tuesday morning, Brewers outfielder Christian Yelich tweeted about the public friend zoning of poor Mark. Quote, down two in the eighth inning, the dugout looked up, saw this, and said, Let's win one for Mark. We got you, man. Moron alert. For those of you for whom barstool sports is too intellectually challenging, there is Outkick the Coverage. Its face is Clay Travis, who spent most of Tuesday on Fox News Channel comparing the anti-vaccine, anti-science, anti-somebody-may-know-more-about-this-than-me stance of tennis player Novak Djokovic to Muhammad Ali in the 60s. Djokovic was not admitted to this country and thus is not playing in the U.S. Open this week because he's not vaccinated, because he's afraid of a little frickin' needle. He tried to fuzzy his way into the Australian Open, even though he's not vaccinated, and didn't get away with that. When he finished comparing this selfish, arrogant, undereducated drama queen Djokovic to Muhammad Ali, Clay Travis then compared football's Aaron Rodgers and basketball's Kyrie Irving to Muhammad Ali. If you don't know Ali's story, and I'm going to go out on a limb here and say it's pretty clear Clay Travis does not know F about Muhammad Ali's story, when Ali was heavyweight champ and converting to Islam, 
The United States government changed his draft status from 1Y, which is you don't draft this guy, to 1A. And at a time during the Vietnam War when the average draftee was 18 or 19, Ali was drafted at the age of 24. The idea was to, you know, send him to Vietnam, and if he got killed, he got killed. So when Muhammad Ali refused to be inducted into the army, our government tried to put him in prison for five years. The boxing organizations stripped him of his title. They refused to let him fight anywhere. They confiscated his passport. He didn't fight for three and a half years. And ultimately, he said if he had to go to jail, he would do so. By contrast, Aaron Rodgers of the Green Bay Packers got his feelings hurt when people called him a liar for lying when he implied he had been vaccinated. I'm trying to remember. Clay Travis, when did they try to put Rodgers in jail for five years or send Kyrie Irving to get shot somewhere in a war? So when Clay Travis put his racist bullcrap out on the official network of racist bullcrap Fox News, I replied on Twitter that, yeah, it was racist bullcrap. How is it racist, wrote the anguished Clay Travis, the racism dripping from his hands, to compare athletes of both races who stood up to government mandates even though people like you ridiculed them for not being sheep. COVID is our modern era Vietnam. Sonny. Kid, child, COVID is not our modern era Vietnam. Nobody with an IQ larger than that of a polo mallet believes COVID is our modern era Vietnam. If you think COVID and Vietnam are comparable, you are a bigger moron than your website Outkick the Racists would suggest. I'm sorry, I read that wrong. It's Outkick the Coverage. Uh, Clay wasn't finished, and those who refuse shots are like those who refuse to be drafted. Both defied government. So if you, Clay, defied government and, you know, shot somebody, your defense would be, like Muhammad Ali and Aaron Rodgers, I defied government and shot somebody. Oh, what am I doing? Watch this jackass Travis try it. Still ahead, it is the birthday of the late Daniel Shore. Forty years later, it still amazes me that as CNN began, I got to work alongside a man who was not only a legendary journalist, but was on Richard Nixon's enemies list. And one night, at the start of his very serious CNN news show, he had to throw it to me for breaking sports news. Things I promise not to tell coming up. First, the daily roundup of the miscreants, morons, and Dunning-Kruger effect specimens who constitute today's worst persons in the world. The bronze to Texas Senator Ted Cruz, who is doing what I said at the start of the program, Lindsey Graham could not do. He's hiding behind semantics. He was caught on tape by the provocateur reporter Lauren Windsor. Ted's argument, nowhere in this clip do I actually say I want to defund the FBI. I want to say thank you so much for all you're doing to fight for Ruth Walker and to take back the Senate. And I just think it's so important that like you guys are actually do defund all those IRS agents. Absolutely. But I think it's imperative that you really have to defund the FBI after all the witch hunts that are going on. It is horrific, the abuse of power at the FBI, and it's wrong. And, and there needs to be a, a complete house cleaning that, that happens at the FBI. Are y'all going to be able to do that when you retake the Senate? I, 
I, I think we need to fight to do that. We need to fight to have real oversight. Ted Cruz does not, in fact, say, I want to defund the FBI, unquote. But, you know, when Lauren Windsor thanks him and says it's imperative that you defund the FBI, he doesn't push back. He didn't push back at all. He doesn't push back a little bit. He goes further. Ted Cruz says the FBI is guilty of, quote, horrific abuse and says there must be a complete house cleaning at the FBI. So, no, Ted Cruz did not say defund the FBI. He said worse. Runner-up Joe Rogan of the Joe Rogan three-hour torture experience. It's not easy to fill three hours when you are as dumb as Joe. He has now done a ranking of White House press secretaries. And to show you how much he knows about this topic, or anything except steroids, he has chosen as the best because she brought binders with her to the podium, quote, an assassin. The best ever at that job, the effing Michael Jordan of White House press secretaries. And he then said she was named McEnany. Kaylee McEnany. We think Joe Rowe means Kaylee McEnany, but, you know, CTE. McEnany. McEnany. But our winner, Herschel Walker. The Republican fascist candidate running for the Senate in Georgia, we think he knows he's running, we can't be sure, first tweeted out what he thought was his best shot against the incumbent, writing, While Reverend Warnock was calling law enforcement thugs and bullies, I was proud to serve the blue as an honorary agent and special deputy sheriff of Cobb County for many years. And there it is on Twitter, a photo of a card reading, Herschel Walker, special deputy sheriff. And the number they've assigned him is 3534, 34 being his football uniform number. And who's going to break it to him that this ranks just below the McGruff Jr. Crime Fighter badge? But it's laminated. Then, oh no, they, uh, they put Herschel on live TV. Newsmax and co-host Katrina Zish, Zish, asked him about those mean Democrats bringing up whether or not Herschel might have CTE or a cognitive problem or he's just really stupid or whatever's causing all this. She used the polite but not especially accurate phrase mental health. And Herschel sort of kind of answered by saying they can continue to bring all this what they want to do against me because people know what I stand for. And then the rest of his answer went off the rails or more correctly, it went off the bike path. First walk is still standing. My bike is not bent, so anyone can ride my bike. Like, he seemed to have Chuck Schumer and uh, Joe Biden riding this bike because he seemed to be voting for whatever they say. Now, who can argue with that? I think we're all indebted to Gabby Walker for clearly stating what needed to be said. I'm particularly glad these lovely children were here today to hear that speech. Not only was it authentic fascist gibberish, it expressed a courage little seen in this day and age. His bike isn't bent? What the hell does that mean? My bike is not bent. His bike isn't bent. Well, no, but Herschel's wheels are not in alignment. His gear shift is stripped and clearly... His axle nuts are loose. Herschel, I'm an honorary Cobb County agent and my bike isn't bent Walker. Today's worst person in the world!
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. And finally, to our number one story on the countdown and my favorite subject, me and things I promised not to tell. August 31st, the birthday of Daniel Shore, one of the great journalists of the 20th century. I had the privilege of working with Daniel Shore when I broke in at CNN when I was 22. And the occasion of his birthday, he was born in 1916 and he died in 2010, reminded me of just how amazing the group was with whom I started. Just in the New York Bureau in 1981, we had Peter Arnett, who had won a Pulitzer Prize, and Jim Clancy, and Jim Miklaszewski, and Frank DeFord from Sports Illustrated, and Bella Abzug, the ex-congressperson, as commentators. There were Bill Zimmerman and Lou Waters in Atlanta and in D.C., Bernard Shaw and John Holloman, and a young assignment desk editor named Kathy Couric. And Daniel Shore. More on him in a moment. First, I have previously told the story about how my TV career began almost by accident in August 1981. And it wasn't my accident, because Lou Dobbs and his girlfriend Debbie Segura had to get out of the CNN New York Bureau in a hurry. 
I had actually applied to this new cable news network thingy and met with its sports boss, Bill McPhail, himself the Hall of Fame brother and Hall of Fame son of Hall of Famers. I'd also met there with its New York boss, Mary Alice Williams, one hot day in April 1980. All they told me was their offices were in the lobby of number one World Trade Center, later better and more tragically known as the North Tower. When I arrived, I found that the only office or store or anything in the lobby of number one World Trade Center was some kind of electronics display showroom. I went in, deeply suspicious that I was being pranked, and wandered to a counter in the back. And I asked the guy there, is the cable news network office around here somewhere? And he matter-of-factly pointed behind him, right through here. This alarmed me because it appeared that the only thing behind him was a solid wall ornamented with vertical wooden slats that kind of echoed the external design of the Trade Center Towers. I said, uh, and without a word and without even looking at me, he pushed backwards against part of the wall, revealing it was a very well-hidden door. And that door led to a stairwell, which in turn led to what looked like a break room. In it, making coffee, was Mary Alice Williams. I recognized her from her long career in local news in New York, and as she welcomed me, I heard a flushing sound in the background, and a door behind her opened. There emerged from the men's room Bill McPhail, formerly the president of CBS Sports and the man who dreamed up Monday Night Football and got fired by CBS because they thought it was a ludicrous idea. On that day in April 1980, CNN's New York bureau consisted of a coffee machine, a unisex bathroom, a small refrigerator, a lunch table that could seat four, and Mary Alice Williams. McPhail was just visiting from headquarters in Atlanta. There was an interview. I do not remember any of it. All I remember is leaving there, convinced there was no chance CNN would ever get on the air, certainly not on schedule on June 1st. CNN, possibly because of my obvious wisdom on that point, did not hire me to be its first New York sports reporter, nor even its second New York sports reporter. But about a year later, a great sports columnist named Stan Isaacs from the newspaper Newsday wrote a glowing profile of me. And every Sunday, one of his four or five weekly Newsday columns would be reprinted in the Sunday national edition of the Washington Post, which was all that displaced Washingtonian Rick Davis, who was CNN's number two sports executive, could get delivered in Atlanta. Davis was bemoaning the lack of humor on his new network sportscast, sitting at his breakfast nook in Atlanta, when he turned the page of his national edition of the Washington Post to find that week's Stan Isaacs column, which was the one he had written about me. He tore the article out and brought it to his boss, McPhail, the next morning, and McPhail said, oh, I interviewed that kid last year. Maybe I should go talk to him again. This time, Bill McPhail interviewed me at the famous Algonquin Hotel. CNN was already starting another network by this point called CNN 2. They would shortly rename it Headline News. McPhail and Davis had an idea to fill CNN 2's sports department with radio sportscasters who would never appear on camera, just highlights and narration. And I was their first choice. McPhail took a sip of his vodka martini and asked me how much I was making in radio in New York, and I said $42,000, and he literally spit some of the martini onto me. What? We're planning to hire five sportscasters for a total of 90000 
And I said, well, I hope the other four guys can live on $30,000 between them because there's no way I'm going to Atlanta for less than 60. McPhail laughed and said, we'll figure out a way to get you to CNN Sports. We need that humor, and we need to keep most of that 60 grand. He certainly got the latter accomplished. Literally six weeks later, the Dobbs thing erupted. McPhail's New York sports reporter, Debbie Segura, moved with her boyfriend, Lou Dobbs, to Atlanta fast. Very fast. So now McPhail needed a new sports reporter in New York, and they had liked my work, but they were being pestered by one of their anchors who really wanted the job, so they tried him, but gave him lots of vacation time, so I had to come in every month and fill in for $500 a week. Eventually, they sent the other guy back to Atlanta and offered me a contract for $25,000 a year. I did not mind the one-third pay cut from radio. I considered it the charge for the vocational training this new CNN thingy would provide. But as I said to Bill McPhail, you are paying me $500 a week freelance. That's $26,000 a year. And now you're offering me a cut to $25,000 a year? He said, but you're getting a contract. And I said, is there health insurance or a retirement fund or something? And he said, no, it's just a contract. And I said, you're kidding. And he said, yeah, I wouldn't sign it either. Let me see if I can get you the other thousand. And he did. And I signed. And I was a TV guy. The number of meetings they had to have to get me that extra thousand dollars took weeks. And in three years at CNN, I would never make as much money there as I had in my last year in radio. So there are a thousand stories about this nearly three-year stint I had at CNN as it was just starting, and I certainly was just starting, and if you listen long enough here, you will hear me tell you all of them. Maybe the best is the time during the 1982 football strike when Ted Turner staged a pickup game full of NFL players at RFK Stadium in Washington, and they had me sit next to him throughout the game to cover it for CNN Sports. Between beers and wine and swigs from his flask, Ted explained his plan to win a victory from the National Labor Relations Board that would have allowed the football union to take all the NFL players away from the NFL teams and instead give them to a league entirely owned by the players and Ted. 50-50. But that story takes a long time. The best short story with which I will close here was about me and the man I started with here, Daniel Shore. He was the last guy hired at CBS News by Edward R. Murrow. He was the CBS Moscow bureau chief in the 1950s and 60s. He was the top CBS correspondent in Washington and broke story after story in a totally deadpan, monotone manner. He was on Richard Nixon's enemies list, and he resigned from CBS News rather than reveal a story source that Congress wanted. And the moment Turner got CNN off the ground, the first guy he hired was... Daniel Shore. He was an imposing figure, but a lovely man who had like a four-year-old son. And one night, must have been 1983, the final Associated Press college football poll was to be announced. It would establish that season's national champion. And I got a call from Atlanta saying, we will get the result at exactly 629, and you'll go on the air with it as breaking news at exactly 630. And I said, 630? That's when the Daniel Shore show starts. And sure enough, that night, CNN viewers saw and heard, Good evening, I'm Daniel Shore. I'll be interviewing the head of the CIA about the scandal there I revealed last night. But first, here is Keith Olbermann in New York. 
with some sports. I've done all the damage I can do here. This is where I ask you to rate and review the podcast and subscribe and, I don't know, take it door-to-door for me. Tell them it's outstanding and you listen to it 344 times. I'm Daniel Shore. Here's Keith Olbermann with some sports. The Countdown theme from Beethoven's Ninth, arranged, produced, and performed by Countdown musical directors Brian Ray and John Philip Chanel. All orchestration and keyboards by John Philip Chanel. Guitars, bass, and drums by Brian Ray. Produced by TKO Brothers. I'd like to meet Mr. Brothers someday. The other Beethoven selections have been arranged and performed by No Horns Allowed. Our sports music, the Olbermann theme from ESPN2, written by Mitch Warren Davis, courtesy of ESPN Inc. Musical comments by Nancy Faust, the best baseball stadium organist ever. Our announcer today from Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, the great Jonathan Banks. That's Countdown for this, the 602nd day since Donald Trump's first attempted coup against the democratically elected government of the United States. A new episode tomorrow. Till then, I'm Keith Olbermann. Good morning, good afternoon, good night, and good luck. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month no matter what kind of entertainment you love addicted to true crime catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on a e crime central crave adventure explore asian action movies on hayah searching for something extreme check out skating snowboarding and more on fuel tv plus the global home of action sports and find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's hit nation playlist there's new free shows and movies to love every week say free this week in your xfinity voice remote live nation presents concert week now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists, like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.